Thank you for downloading this episode of Software Gone Wild, a podcast focused on everything software defined. To get more episodes and explore other SDN and network automation resources, visit sdn.ipspace.net. A while ago, a friend of mine, Gianpaolo Guarina, started writing about something called IP Fabric. And I find it so interesting that I said, well, Gianpaolo, why don't we do a podcast about IP Fabric and you tell us what it is and why you're so excited? So he immediately said yes. And of course, it took us like six months to get everything ready and schedule the podcast. But finally, we are here. In the meantime, Gianpaolo became IP Fabric ambassador. And he'll tell us what that means in a few seconds. So hello, Gianpaolo. Thanks for being on the podcast. I think this is your first time. So why don't we start by you telling us who you are and what you're doing and why you got interested in this thing called IP Fabric. Hi, Ivan. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's the first time we met many times before, but it's the first time in the podcast. Yeah, about IP Fabric. I spent a long time doing scripts for network discovery, for uh, topology discovery. In my blog, you can find many posts about open source tools uh, to do some basic network automation. But I found some limits in my own skills and the experience I had to build a software to do all the features I need. Mostly discovery, actually, but even inventory, maybe some um, topology diagrams. So not the hard tasks. I know that uh, with enough times and skills, I could build that myself, but it took really too much time to do that. So I started investigating about the products on the market, and uh, I didn't find one. So in the last Cisco Live, I was working between the sessions, you know, many sessions, many places to be, and I stopped by the Fabric booth. At the first time, I wasn't really impressed, maybe because I was busy with customers, with uh, meetings. Uh, but I ran a trial like a month after Cisco Live. And I really liked the product. At the first sight, it was quite uh, easy to run a trial. And uh, I think that was a good point because it was really easy and fast to set up a demo, to run on a network uh, and have value from the product. What Epifabric does is network discovery is the main task it runs. It is really easy to set up a virtual machine in the virtual machine, you just need to set up the subnet and some credentials, and it runs the discovery. The discovery is not based on SNMP, like many other products are, but it's based on SSH. So you don't even need to set up communities on the boxes, and you only need the SSH credentials to access. And what it does, it runs many show commands, basically, it collects all the output, it parses the output, and it loads everything in the database. So nothing fancy so far, but this is the first time I saw a tool doing that in that way, and it really works, and the interface, the GUI, is fast and easy to use. So this is the first function of IP Fabric. Yeah, now that you mentioned SNMP, I yeah. simply have to introduce Chris Young, who will ask all the SMP <laughs> questions. So Chris, what do you think about a product that doesn't support SNMP at all, but focuses on SSH? It makes my head hurt less. <laughs> Not a bad thing. There are other ways to do this 
stuff, but uh, depends on what the product's doing. So can't wait to learn more. Yeah, I found that after some experience with the techs, FSM, and now Payat from Cisco, they almost do the same. They just run the show commands and they pass the out. So I think it is quite similar. The difference here is that you have the GUI and the output is very clear. There are many views from the web interface. You can filter, you can look for a specific model. So the inventory is very complete. The part that I like most is that it is not a simple inventory about the number of boxes, but it is a part number inventory. In my experience, many times I go to the customer, they don't have an inventory. And even if they have the inventory, they don't know the exact model, the exact software version, how many optical interfaces they have. So having a complete full inventory, it is very important to me for my daily job, for our network operation center, and to do some planning about changing maybe older boxes, upgrading software, and so on. So this is one of the first features. Another cool feature for me is that uh, once uh, the discovery ran, it split the configuration of the boxes in uh, different technologies, meaning that you can see some views about spanning tree, you can see about routing, uh, it collects all the routing tables from all the boxes uh, and you can filter out. I did uh, some time ago a script to collect all the routing interfaces of the boxes and have an Excel file that I can filter. And when I saw that the IP Fabric already has this feature, I just throw away my script that was hard to maintain, to update, to keep relevant. And now I just use IP Fabric. So inventory and the technology split. Every time the discovery runs, it creates a snapshot. A snapshot is a picture of the whole network configuration, CDP neighbor, LLDP, routes, spanning tree status, everything that it collects from the network, it is called a snapshot. So it uh, creates a database with all the snapshots you run, and you can run the difference between the snapshots. So you can open the latest snapshot, you can open a snapshot that was collected maybe today, yesterday, a month ago, and you can only see the differences between the snapshots. So it may be some uh, new switches, some new access point, uh, some new CDP neighbors from one box, so you can see the difference. I find that feature very useful during troubleshooting because the customer always says nothing changed on the network and that we can see if that's true. <laughs> nothing ever changed. That's similar to what the Payet does with a diff, but you can have that in the GUI and it is easier to compare. It's funny and sad that We've been doing this how long in topology and just a general inventory is still something that gets us excited. Yeah, it is. And uh, I'm working with IP Fabric actually to have, uh, I'm pushing a bit then, but I think it will work to use IP Fabric as a near inventory. So to use automation on top of IP Fabric and use IP Fabric as a substitute. So self-documenting inventory, that's cool. From the topology standpoint, my first question was going to be, how do you deal with things you don't know about? So it sounds like CDP and LLDP, assuming those are both there, will be able to help you fill in gaps for devices that you don't have credentials for. Yeah. During the discovery, the report shows all the devices that you don't have access to. So if you cannot access the device, 
you notice that during the discovery process. And it could be either some box that you don't manage, so you don't have access and you cannot see what's on the box, but it shows in the topology. And if it is a layer three device, like the router from a service provider, you just show that it exists and it may be a gateway to another network. So it is like a transit and you see the cloud, but it notice that it exists. If it is a switch, unmanaged switch, of course, you never see that because if it doesn't speak a spanning tree, CDP, LLDP, it is just transparent. I don't think there is a way to notice this kind of boxes, like the cheap uh, net gear switch on the network. You will never notice that. Oh, you will when it creates a loop, but that's a different story. Yeah, that's different. You can filter for ports uh, with uh, multiple MAC addresses. So if you want to investigate if uh, maybe you have access port that may have a switch on access point connected to that you cannot find via CDP or LLDP, you can investigate ports with uh, more than one MAC address. Like a colleague of mine is doing a phone migration and he had to collect all the phones on the network. IP Fabric has a view for the hosts and you can filter the hosts. The hosts connect to the network so we can just filter the MAC address of the Cisco phones and then know where the phones are. So this is another useful feature to have everything collected in a database. Wouldn't the phones be picked up off CDP though? Yeah, you can pick them from CDP, or even if you don't have CDP enabled, you can just look for the MAC address. Like for IP cameras, they don't speak with CDP. You can just look for the MAC address vendor and have a view with all the cameras. When you talk about the database of the product, is it a database you can query with some query language or API or something, or is everything working through the GUI? You usually work with the GUI, but every single view has an API. So there is a button close to the view that you can check which URL is queried via API. So it is easy to write a Python script or even a Postman to collect the same information. So everything that you see on the screen on the GUI, you can query that very the same value via API or you can export in CSV because sometimes you have to do that also. Uh, so the best way to approach creating something new would be to figure out in the GUI how to combine things so that you get the results you need. And then you can just say, well, now give me the URL where you got this result and I can use it in whatever scripting language. Yeah, correct. I think it is a very easy way to start using the API. So we talk about the discovery, inventory, part number, and the technology split of the configuration. Another important part of IP Fabric is the dashboard. In the dashboard, IP Fabric collects every, let's say, intent, because it's a common word, but let's talk about what IP Fabric means for intent. So if you configure a port channel, you expect the port to be aggregated. If you configure a SPF, you expect maybe to have a neighbor. So everything that is configured on the boxes, IP Fabric tries to extract the intent and validate that with a different algorithms, of course, with different evaluations based on the protocol or the configuration portion he finds. But in the dashboard, you can see if there is any potential misconfiguration on the boxes. So it really helps 
because sometimes uh, some port channel ports are not aggregated, uh, some uh, BGP neighbors are not coming up. Uh, so the dashboard has, I think, more than 100 verifications right now, and uh, every release of IP Fabric shows uh, more. And uh, I'm working with IP Fabric to add a few, and uh, the new release cycle is uh, quite fast, uh, so it is very easy to have new checks there. And uh, it is possible also to write your own checks because on the GUI, it is possible to create uh, with uh, some OR and AND uh, logic, uh, some uh, personalized view to verify a specific element of the configuration. So like uh, all the parts that are half duplex, uh, it is very easy to have a view and uh, a specific uh, element in the dashboard that show the number of ports. Ah, so you can define what you think compliance means, and then it would check whether the network is configured or if it's operating the way you think it should be operating. Yeah, that's correct. You can pick any column. You can set the value, set the color of the alarm, if you want that uh, green, uh, yellow, red, or blue, and then have your own check. So for a knock perspective, uh, they don't need to know coding or whatever. They just can have their own uh, alarms in the dashboard. And paraphrasing Chris, weren't we promised this like 30 years ago and we're still excited about it? <laughs> I am excited about it because it is the first time uh, I'm uh, using a product that is so fast and um, solves actual problems. So Epifabric uh, is not uh, aiming to provide all the answers, but uh, it is meant to collect all the information uh, and maybe you can create uh, your own logic to have some answers. So we have the diagrams, uh, the logic diagrams that uh, avoids any visual. Also, I really like to have dynamic network diagrams uh, on the product. Uh, and uh, visual export uh, is not here yet, uh, but uh, I hope to see in the future release uh, because sometimes we need to create presentations for the customer and having a visual to start uh, working with it uh, will be very cool. Another feature in the diagrams uh, is uh, the path verification. So even you saw forward networks uh, and NetBrain uh, they have this goal to verify that a path exists between nodes, checking all the routing tables, checking the access list. So IP Fabric has this feature. Maybe it is not as complete like calculating alternative path running SPF on the SPF database, but it can be really useful to check if two path, if a layer three path exists between two networks and it checks uh, the access lists uh, or the zone-based firewalls uh, or the yeah, security access list on firewalls, uh, like on Checkpoint, uh, on Fortinet. Uh, you can have an answer if uh, two networks can talk to each other. And uh, the verification check uh, can be included in every snapshot. So every time you run a snapshot, it will run again all the verifications and uh, give a result. And you know what my question will be, right? Is this based on the forwarding tables or can it predict what would happen if the links go down? It is based on the forwarding tables. So you can only see what's actually in the forwarding table at the moment. 
So they are reverse engineering the path based on the forwarding table and then inspecting what access control lists are in the what seems to be current path and then tell you whether A can talk to B. Yeah, that's correct. They don't plan to build a network model to run checks about the what-if case scenarios. Uh, so they run what it is live in the network at the moment. Yeah, it would really be nice if someone could recreate what we had years ago with, what was it, uh, Keridan, because they were effectively looking at the ISIS or OSPF topology database. And then you could start asking what-if questions. and. I don't think I've seen anyone doing that. Sorry, I'm digressing. Yeah, no problem. It is not the main goal of IP Fabric. They have this feature. It may be simpler or have some limits, but uh, from the point of view of an operations team, uh, instead of running a trace route, uh, see hope by hope if the access list is there, it can make the process uh, faster. Yeah, it's definitely simpler to troubleshoot what's going on than logging into the boxes and trying to figure out what's going on box by box, definitely. Yeah, I think the main goal of the product uh, is a network operations team. So you need to have the information fast. You need to find uh, if uh, something changed. So you can have all these answer, answers uh, very quick and uh, without logging on the boxes because uh, Sometimes the operations team may have some junior engineers uh, and uh, it takes time to log in on all the boxes to have the information to do the correlation. Uh, so this process can be faster if you have everything in a database that you can query very fast. And also now that I think about it, it gives you the ability to not give people access to the actual boxes, right? Yeah, of course. You All the queries you do, you do on the web interface, and you are working on the snapshot. You are not working on the live information on the network. The snapshot may run like every hour, every day, wherever you schedule to. And you can, of course, start a snapshot in a specific moment, like for troubleshooting. So this is very useful. If you have a current problem on the network, you just run an additional snapshot I usually run a snapshot before and after network changes, and I can check if routers, routes, for example, change on all the boxes I expected to, or maybe I had some updates leaking outside the scope of the network change. It takes a very long time to do that manually. It's almost impossible when you have thousands of routes, and the only way to do that is to collect all the routes and have some mechanisms to do a diff. Of course, you can do a uh, NetMeco or Ansible. You can write your, your own code to do that. Uh, but uh, in uh, some cases, you don't have people who can write code in the, uh, involved in the process. So speaking of writing code, if everything is being done through SSH or Telnet, hopefully SSH, what happens when a vendor, and I know this would never happen, but what happens when a vendor changes their CLI? Do you fix it? Does somebody else fix it? No, IP Fabric fixes it. So right now, my experience so far, we did some integration uh, of uh, like checkpoint firewalls. Uh, so I just uh, collect the output. Uh, I sent IP Fabric uh, with uh, brief descriptions of the information I want to collect uh, with that command uh, and uh, have the feedback uh, very soon. As Ivan mentioned before, I joined the IP Fabric Ambassador program. 
So I have a direct contact with the dev team of IP Fabric. And then uh, in the next release, uh, we have the new command uh, with the output collected and parsed. So I cannot write the code myself. I cannot uh, do any change on the box, uh, but uh, we can provide feedback uh, to IP Fabric uh, to have additional information. Okay. And, and so there's no, if I have a XYZ device that I want to add support for, I'm completely dependent on IP Fabric. There's no way for me to add device drivers for my own custom devices. Yeah, that's correct. Right now, there is no way to do your own parsing. It may be a feature that uh, can be introduced in the future. Okay, now that we started going down this path, I'm guessing that this is not an open source product like many others, that this is a traditional product that you get shrink wrap downloads from somewhere, install or turn on a VM, and it starts running, right? Yeah, that's correct. Uh, you can download the VMware image and uh, just upload the license uh, and you can run your discovery. So all software updates, uh, you can do that from the GUI or you can either download the update file if you have the machine that is not connected to internet or if uh, it has internet access, you just click update, wait a few minutes and you are good to go. And how does the licensing work? What are they basing their license on? Number of devices, number of ports, what is it? Yeah, the licensing is based on the number of nodes, where a node can be a firewall, a switch, or a Wi-Fi controller. Like in the case of the Wi-Fi controller, you only license the controller, but not the access points. So the number of licensing can be small. In case of stack, uh, it is uh, one license for the whole stack. So you have multiple options here. And uh, it's an yearly license that you renew, of course. Uh, another vendor with subscription. Okay. Yeah, everything is subscription right now. There is no perm option for a permanent license. You mentioned the open source products. Mm -hmm. I tried many, actually. But uh, the main goal here is that uh, you have a resource that uh, is time and you have money. And of course, uh, you have a variable that are skills. So I've evaluated many times to build my own discovery tool, my own network tool. And actually in IP Fabric, I saw that uh, it was uh, something that I would have built myself with enough time and skills because it uh, really matches all the needs that I found through the years. I tried to do the discovery with the LibreNMS uh, and export everything to Netbox. Uh, so I tried to do that myself, uh, but sometimes uh, money is not the resource that you are missing. It is time and also uh, time to manage what you install and have uh, all the training for the operators that will use the tool. So in that case, uh, the pricing is uh, low enough uh, to work against uh, any IP source uh, tool implementation uh, and the training uh, in uh, one hour, you can have everybody using the tool in a very effective way. Effectively, I was thinking about the time versus money trade-off. I didn't say whether it was free. I asked whether it was open source. I totally no, know not. that people have to make money. I'm perfectly fine with that. I mean, after all, I'm selling my stuff. It's just a question of whether with an open source product, you have, at least in theory, the option of changing something or adding something that's missing 
And if you get a prepackaged VM image, then obviously there's nothing you can do. You always have to rely on them. That's why I asked the question. Yeah, you're correct. Finally, going through your blog post, uh, you said that they can prevent and correct issues before they cause service outages. What did you have in mind there? Yeah, this is mainly about misconfiguration. So sometimes you have like a, a port channel configured, but it's not going up. Uh, so you may have some uh, port uh, that have uh, some wrong configuration, or, or you can have uh, a BGP neighbor running, uh, but uh, not never coming up. Uh, so it can extract the intent from the configuration to understand what you are trying to do. It can try to validate if the configuration is matching the state of the network, and you can see that on the dashboard. So I found that in some cases it helped to notice that something was not 100% correct. Usually a monitoring system only tells you when something is wrong, because you have an actual fault uh, to reach a service or a network. Uh, IPFabric tries to be one step ahead on that uh, and show you something that uh, maybe is not impacting uh, the traffic of the network, uh, but uh, it may have an impact uh, or maybe it is just some uh, dirty configuration, like a configuration drift. Uh, You may have uh, an NTP server configured, uh, but you cannot reach that uh, particular IP some uh, errors in the syslog configuration. Uh, Maybe you just want to check if uh, all the switches have the same uh, syslog server configured uh, that uh, no one is missing. Uh, So things like these that uh, are maybe minor operations uh, tasks, uh, but uh, having that automated, it really helps to save time and keep the configurations clear. So the... Ability to prevent and correct issues is things like what I've been discussing a few times with Terry's lettery, where you have, let's say, HSRP configured, but you don't see an HSRP neighbor and you go like, oops, if this yeah. box fails, hmm, I don't really have a backup box. Let's investigate that. Yeah, you can also find uh, all the networks uh, that are missing uh, any first open redundancy protocol. So you can do some queries, show me the single point of failures. That may be a single link between the two switches, or it may be a VLAN that only has one gateway. So it is really a matter of how you create in the diagrams. You can have layer two, layer three topology, or you can have uh, all the HSRP the pairs configured and see where it's missing. So you may have like 20 VLANs and 19 have HSRP and one is missing because somebody forgot to configure the second box and you can spot that in the graphical interface. By the way, Chris, do you remember the product called NetMRI? Yes, I do. I mean, this sounds a lot like NetMRI reinvented, right? It kind of does, but it, it's what I really like about this, honestly, is it's the link egg example. Mm-hmm. I see in the NMS world so much, it's people who kind of know SNMP and know how to program dashboards, but don't understand how networks work. And you inevitably end up with a situation where you're monitoring through SNMP the if index value for the port channel itself, which tells you nothing about the four links that are in there, whether they're selected whether you're on your last one or whether you're just about to have an outage. This is a good thing. 
you know, that we're seeing products that actually look into the details by people who actually know how this stuff kind of works underneath or, well, who kind of know because no one really knows. It's all magic. And as you said yeah, before, it, it's sad that in 2019, we still get excited about. Yeah, but Terry is, you know, Terry is awesome. I you agree know? on that. <laughs> <laughs> There's just so few people who seem to really have embraced, you know, that's one of the reasons I love about the current era we're in from a networking standpoint is where we as a profession are embracing operations and starting to be more demanding about what we're asking for from our vendors. This is good. Yeah, and uh, actually I have some plans because IP Fabric for me is uh, one element of something bigger. One of the elements I am working with my team uh, is to have tickets created out of uh, IP Fabric. So when the snapshot runs, uh, if uh, we have some uh, categories of alarms or problems, uh, we have a ticket created. So you have a human being uh, taking care of that issue and closing, uh, hopefully closing the issue. So this is one of the parts. And the other part, of course, if uh, I notice that uh, Nornir has some uh, plugins for inventory, so I'm working with IP Fabric to have a Nornir plugin to collect uh, all the hosts from IP Fabric. So when you have the host list and you have the problem list, it will be possible to put the two together and create a solution like syslog host is missing on this switch, I can just configure that. NTP is missing, configure that. So I have some uh, proactive uh, configuration fix uh, on that. Uh, and uh, IP Fabric uh, doesn't have any automation uh, inbox, but uh, using that uh, as uh, an inventory, I think uh, it would be great. Uh, so I don't need to maintain an inventory. I can just collect all the information from IP Fabric. And I'm just kind of looking at the webpage in the background and the API resources. It looks very complete. It, it doesn't look like they're hiding things and only exposing stuff. So yeah, again, that's a wonderful world. You, Nornir, I can easily see a Stackstorm sensor here. Use some of the integrations from Stackstorm into other products as well. Yeah, or even export everything to Netbox. This is another possibility to export everything uh, and maybe just have a uh, a page that shows the difference uh, between what you have in that box, that is uh, what you expect to have. And uh, if uh, IP Fabric notices something different, uh, you can just create a diff between Netbox and IP Fabric. So I think having open API is the best thing any product can have today because you can create your own solution uh, with a uh, very few commands because it is not that hard to do that. Yeah. And now, as Chris mentioned it, I also started browsing through their website. And yes, they have public documentation and they have public API documentation. So yeah, two things I love in small companies. That's not behind a registration wall. Exactly. Yeah. And you can see documentation without a sales guy calling you in the next microsecond. <laughs> Solar wind. <coughs> yeah. Yeah. About the SSH discovery. It was the first question I asked IP Fabric, why are you not using SNMP? So the answer, maybe their technical lead can give a more complete answer, but uh, it was about speed, because uh, if you query a box, I tried myself that uh, really SNMP usually is very slow on the box, and uh, having the same output from SSH is quite faster, and uh, you don't have to configure anything on the box because of course, you have SSH credential to access, uh, but maybe SNMP is not configured everywhere. And uh, the load on the CPU 
because the same output you can get from SSH sometimes, maybe smaller box have a CPU peak when you do a query of uh, all the variables in uh, SNMP. So I think it makes sense. I don't see that uh, as a big limit uh, to have everything uh, running from SSH and Telnet uh, instead of uh, using uh, SNMP. It is not creating any limit or problem so far. So I can understand why they are doing that. The only problem is that because the presentation layer is not standardized, you are dependent on the vendor not changing the printout, at least not too much. Yeah. I know a major uh, exchange point in Europe where, you know, the whole thing crashed when a vendor added a single white space in a column in the printout. So relying on the printout format can be dangerous. Yeah, I think they can uh, evolve because uh, we discussed uh, in the last call about uh, using API to get information. So they can do that, of course. And uh, we are doing some tests uh, with uh, Cisco 9200 switches. Uh, so instead of using SSH to use API of the box uh, to collect information. So it is a path that can be implemented in the future release. Yeah, that will definitely be interesting because then at least you have the standard presentation layer and they need an abstraction layer anyway, because every device is giving data in a different format. Yeah. I think there's the standardized SNMP. It would be nice if SNMP was standardized, but there's the whole enterprise tree, right? What I think it's much less likely to change. You know, the other thing that honestly that scares me in the last few years about just software quality is the amount of box crashes when show NTP it command is issued. Box crashes when show run command is issued. There is an open bug on Nexus uh, that when you do a uh, short run shiver, the box crashes. So Hyperfabric monitors that on, on the Cisco website to see if uh, any show command has the potential to break the box. But uh, it is a risk. You cannot uh, avoid that, maybe. Yeah, the other problem is that sometimes these printouts are not exactly reliable. There was a data center switch that only gave you the first like 8,000 MAC addresses or something. And then the show printout just stopped. And I think API works. So whoever was encountering that problem was able to get the data through with the API. Yeah, it would be just a matter to update the collector. So it is not a limit. Once the box has the better collector VAPI that you can rely on, it is just a matter to rewrite that uh, piece of code and uh, have it working. It's and just a matter of having the vendor rewrite the code. Exactly. And now you yeah. know why I ask about open source product. Because if it yeah. would be open source, you could rewrite the collector. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Nothing to add I, on I, that. Again, but, uh, not good, not bad. Just be aware. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> My experience so far is that I never had a vendor to implement a change. I lost the count of how many wishes I did on the Meraki dashboard. And uh, not speaking about uh, Cisco or any other vendor because uh, we don't have uh, installations big enough to have an actual change. So, so far, IP Fabric is small enough uh, to listen the customers uh, listen the ambassador. They did ambassador project uh, just for that purpose to have the feedback, uh, and uh, they do frequent releases. 
And uh, every release uh, has uh, some update, uh, and it is very easy to have uh, new features or new collectors on that. So I think it is an advantage to work with a company that does only one product uh, with the frequent uh, releases uh, instead of working with a huge company that does thousands of products uh, and you don't uh, have a way to influence anything. I totally agree with you. And I could start with the war stories of how Cisco was responding in early 1990s when they were only doing routers. But yeah, as you said, as long as it's a small company, they are responsive. The moment they grow or they become overwhelmed with their success, then you start getting into the usual corporate behavior. Let's put it this way. Yeah. And the other issue about having it, if you're able to write, you know, and fix it and write the new driver yourself, then you're writing the new driver yourself. And that's a whole other problem. Yeah. And then it doesn't <laughs> work and then you complain to them. Exactly. Yeah, I think that I can try to speak with IPFabric to see if uh, they have any plan in the future. I was thinking about uh, like implementing a text FSM or Pyat or something that already exists to do the parsing of the command. Right now, they don't have any plan on that, but I think it could be a future. Just have some sort of parsing language and use that to collect the output of new boxes. I don't see any problem on that, only technological problem. And also, if they want to scale to implement new devices, it may be a good path because you can create an open source community writing parsers. I don't know how much the community will join writing their own code for a, a proprietary product, but maybe people who implement Epifabric and they like the product, maybe they also be able to invest some time to have a new box uh, in the inventory very quick. Okay, so let's wrap it up right here. If people want to know more about IP Fabric, their website is ipfabric.io and you can go there and download the trial and Gianpaolo also has a link on his blog post pointing to their download page, I think, right? Yeah, correct. Yeah. You just have to download the image and contact IP Fabric to have the license to run. And uh, it is uh, very fast to do the inventory and see all the information and maybe discover something of your network that uh, you weren't aware of. And on the other hand, Gianpaolo, if people want to get in touch with you, how can they do that? Yeah, my website, uh, ifconfig.it, it's the best place. Uh, you can find my Twitter account there. You can read my blog if you want. Uh, I think I will join the IT Blog Award from Cisco again this year with uh, no chance to win, but uh, I just uh, like to join the challenge. And the no chance to win would be based on something you wrote about code quality, right? <laughs> yeah, that, uh, and also I'm too lazy to blog uh, frequently. So there are young people, I'm really happy to see young people join writing blog posts, uh, and they are doing great job, so I'm too old for that. So I leave space for the youngs. <laughs> and Chris, where can people find you? I'm leaving space for the young people too. <laughs> <laughs> At Netman Chris on, on Twitter, I do have a blog that's still out there that I lament that I haven't posted to in far too long, which is controlissueswithak.net. 
And um, I've got stuff I'm working on. I just, yeah, I'm leaving space for young people. I'm going to use that from now on. I'm stealing that. <laughs> the last time I was told I am not allowed to write code because I blog. Today, I'm told that I should stop blogging because I should leave space for the young people. <laughs> of course, I never listen to other people. So you can find me at ipspace.net, read my blog, watch my webinars, listen to the podcasts, and so on. Please, Ivan, don't stop blogging. <laughs> of course I won't. <laughs> Not what needs to teach the young people. Yeah, they need old people to avoid them to make the repeat of the same errors. Oh, when did that ever work? Yeah, try to invent That's new errors. Definition <laughs> of wisdom. Yeah. Experience you get from making bad choices. Thank you, Gianpaolo. Thank you, Chris. And we'll be back in a month or so. Thank you, Ivan. Thank you, Chris. Thanks, Ivan. Thanks, Gianpaolo. Thank you for listening to this episode of Software Gone Wild. If you want to learn more about software-defined networking, network automation, and related topics, visit sdn.ipspace.net and explore our courses, books, webinars, and podcasts.